You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Parenting is uh, crazy. It's cool. If you're a single parent, if you are a blended family parent, if you're a foster parent, if you are a, uh, you know, a traditional family parent, we just know that parenting is a little bit nuts and it's a little bit hard and a little bit crazy. Uh, how many of you uh, have ever taken kids bowling? You've gone bowling as kids. All right, how many of you use the bumper still when you go bowling? Come on, I'm be honest. Yeah, I see a lot of you in this room. You're like, yeah, if it's going to be any fun, you got to use the bumpers. Now, I come from the era when they actually would, like, walk out and put these, like, pads in the gutter that, like, block the gutter and keep the ball going. Now they have these little rails that, like, magically pop up out of the gutter and, uh, and keep the ball going forward. It would drive me nuts when I was uh, younger and we would take our kids bowling because, you know, I'd be like working all this technique and throwing the ball down there. And then my kid would like, you know, barely carry the ball, walk up, like put it down, just shove it. And it would take forever to get down there. And then the ball would like roll down there and it would like roll around and like make sure to hit all the pins. You know what I'm talking about? Like knock them all down. I'm like, I'm, I'm watching my kids score, my score. And I'm going, their technique is probably better. You know, I mean, like, by, based on the score, they're doing better than I am. And it would drive me nuts. Uh, some of us like that idea of having bumpers in our lives. Well, God uses us as parents and his word and his law as bumpers in our lives because he wants to basically have you and I have a guideline so that we can keep playing, so that our lives of ourselves and the lives of our children don't end up in the gutter. If you're single and you don't have kids, or you're an adult and you don't have kids, and uh, you're a married couple and don't have kids, even today, what we talk about today is definitely applicable to your life as you learn to self-govern your life as God is your father, your heavenly father. And we're going to walk through that, but parenting is just tough, isn't it? Do you ever find yourselves like um, swaying a little bit in your parenting? Like perhaps for you, uh, you begin to just be like, this is so burdensome at times. I just, I just want to take the path of least resistance. And so you just find yourself almost wanting to be a lazy parent. Like, you know what? I know what I should do here, but it's just not worth the fight. Not today, because the days seem long, but the years are short, and that's parenting. Life is filled with long days and short years, and next thing you know, you snap and your kids are 18 and moving out of the house. But it's during those long days that there are times where are just like, I, I just don't, not today. And you just find yourself wanting to be a little bit of a lazy parent. Perhaps for you, you're parenting and you're realizing as you're parenting right now that you're parenting out of fear. You are fear-based, and maybe you're that grandparent, okay? Maybe it's not even just the, the kids. It's just now all of a sudden, as a grandparent with seeing life and its experiences and just having a, a bigger view of life, you're almost like fear-based, like, oh, my gosh, if, if they don't step in and do it just this right ways, my grandkids are going to turn out nuts, and you're just fear-based, and maybe you're that parent that you're just finding yourself, I, I'm responding to my kids out of a panic, out of a fear, and I'm almost being over-controlling because of your insecurities and just your area, and you just find that, that's just the natural way that you, you lean without telling the, the kids why you're asking them to do what you do. It's just default to telling them what to do and getting angry if they don't immediately do that. You might find yourself in that kind of situation. Maybe for you, you're trying to provide experiences for your kid. 
You want to give them every experience under the sun. You want them to be well-rounded in music and in sports and in theater and, and just seeing the world and all these different experiences that people say, let them be, you want your kids to be free. We all want our kids to be free. And so you want to launch them out to be free, but in the doing so, you realize I'm giving them everything. I'm giving them all the world, the, as many experiences as I can, and it costs lots of money, but I'm just, I'm making sure that they are just almost not withheld from anything that I have the capacity to provide as far as good education and as far as theater and as far as sports and any other area. And you're giving them all these experiences, but you might not be building in character, which is what they take with them once those experiences are done and into all the experiences of their future. And you just find yourself, it's easier to give experiences than it is to begin to build character in the life of my son or my daughter. And maybe for you, you're like one of those parents who's like, hey, listen, I don't even know what I'm doing, so I just drop my kids off at church because then the church is going to develop my kids spiritually. And you're like, I don't know what to do, and I don't have it all together. I don't even know where it all is. And so you just want to drop it off to the church, and you might find that temptation for yourself instead of saying, well, what is the church doing, and how do I come alongside what the church is already doing so that the 52 hours they spend at church a, a year can be countered by the 3,000 hours I spend with my child a year. And you work those two things together to get a higher result than if the church were to do it alone. We have that temptation sometimes to just default out of our own weaknesses, our fears, or inadequacies. And maybe some of you, you just you want to throw your hands up because you just feel like, no matter what I do, I just can't win because of the influence of the other parent. For you, it's that step-parent. For you, it is that ex in your life. For you, it's, it's the dad or the mom, or you are a believer and, the, and your spouse is not a believer, and you just feel like we're not on the same page, and I don't know that anything I do is on the same page with them. And you might be married with somebody and not be on the same page and just feel like, I just don't feel like I can win because we're not on the same page as parents. Parenting is hard, and it's tough, but I want to encourage you today to not give up, to care about the life and the development of your children, or maybe for you, you've graduated your children out and on, and if God opens up the door for you to be grandparents, that you can love your parenting a different way the second time around, that he can help you give them guidelines, give them borders in their life so that they learn to thrive. If you're taking notes today, you'll realize that a parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until it rests solely on God. What's the ultimate priority? What are we trying to do here? Give them every experience under the sun? Well, we want to give them a lot of experiences, but ultimately it's I want them to stop depending on me because the day comes when they will depend on God as their heavenly father in their behavior, in their morals, in their character. We want to transfer dependence away from us as parents to the Lord. And we want our kids to be free. And sometimes we think being free means that we're going to, if we, if we constrain them, we're going to squelch their personality. You ever heard that? You're going to squelch their, I don't want to squelch their personality. I just want them to be free. I want them to have all these experiences. I don't want to, I don't want to hinder them. I don't want to squelch their personality. Well, let me tell you something. I was pretty hyper as a kid growing up. And there were plenty of times I needed my personality squelched. I needed, like, my, you know, my dad or my mom to come and go, uh-uh, that is not happening. We are not doing that right now. And then you add the junior high years, and with me, sugar, oh, I mean, again, there were times I needed 
I needed those blockers. I needed those guides to come up to keep me going where I needed to go so I didn't end up in the gutter all the time. So I learned to bowl. I learned to experience what it's like to have success in different areas of life. We want our kids to be free, but you must grab this principle. It's actually the law that gives freedom. It sounds backwards. You know, we're in a day and age where we fear big government and we fear, you know, all sorts of things like, you know, we, again, we don't want government to get so large that people don't have common sense and we don't want laws to be of such magnitude that we don't think for ourselves. We want the government to represent the people versus the other way around. But we have this idea in our culture right now that we are our own law, that we don't need laws in our lives, that we, we and we've got to grab this idea that it's actually the law that gives freedom. Let me give you some examples. It is so adorable when a little toddler, you know, who's got to walk up to the table, they like got to, you know, they have to hold things. They go from the couch, you know, over to the table and they walk up to the table and then a little toddler sees the keys and they start playing with the keys. And it is so adorable to see a toddler playing with the keys. And then all of a sudden it's great to watch them do that and you all laugh and you like grab your phone, you take a picture and stuff. And it's great until you can't find your keys. Then you are hashtag not free, hashtag trapped right? All of a sudden in your life, you're saying the rule ought to be, no, 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 no. We don't touch mommy or daddy's keys. We don't do that. And well, I want my kid to be free, but we don't do that. Why? Because it's actually the law that gives freedom. Now in the flag house, that would be slightly after the rule that is, we don't touch dad's remote. That was, you know, the, you know, for the TV. That was, that was just in my house. My wife could kind of care less about TV and I'm all about like sports and stuff. So we just, you know, that would be there. But it's actually the law that gives freedom so that when you need something, it's actually where you can find it. It's actually the law that gives freedom. If you do your kids' homework for them, it might be really efficient in that long day and short years. But if the short years go by really fast and your child has to do critical thinking for themselves, then you have actually trapped them and hindered them. You now are having to go through extra tutoring and extra other areas. Why? Because you are hashtag not free. You are hashtag trapped. Because it's the law that actually gives freedom. Now, if you have children who are older, maybe they're in their older teen years, I want to say to you, you know, you might think the law is just restrictive, but you don't want to restrict them. You want them to think for themselves. You're preparing them for that. But I got to tell you something. Expecting your children who still live with you in your house, even if they're over 18, to still go to church sounds kind of stuffy or restrictive until you begin putting up in your life with them doing as they please and the consequences that come along with them doing as they please. It's better to give them a law that gives them opportunity to be in at least one place where they're hearing the word of God, where they're being engaged by worship, where the song may be the sermon that they hear that day. They might not hear the whole rest but expecting them, if they still live in your house, this is what we do in our home, or this is what I expect of you as a parent, even if your mom stays home or your dad stays home, that I expect as long as you're living in our house, you come to church. Why? Because we're trying to transfer their dependence away from us onto God, not from us onto them. It's actually the law that gives freedom. If you are you saying, Dave, I don't have kids, I'm not a parent, uh, but you just have this experience in your life where you're like, you know what? I just feel and believe in my heart of hearts 
that I, I just can't drive 65. I just can't. Like, in my inner core, I just feel and actually think that I ought to be able to drive 90. Well, when the police officer pulls you over, he will explain to you that irrespective of what you think or feel, that there's a law that works for safety of other people, and you will all of a sudden find yourself in traffic school where you are hashtag not free, hashtag trapped. And you will find yourself having to go through eight hours or doing some online traffic school because of your personal beliefs. What do we do? We transfer our dependence away from our parents onto God because we have a heavenly father. And so we wonder, why does God give law? Why does God give us boundaries? Why does he give us the bumpers in life? It's because he wants us to learn how to play the game, how to bowl, how to succeed, how to knock down the barriers, those pins in our lives. And he wants us to have a way to do that. Otherwise, we end up in the gutter. So if you have your Bible, open with me to Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 12. These are part of the Ten Commandments, and you might have an idea of what the Ten Commandments are. You may or may not have them memorized, but we're going to look at like the second five, and the first one says this, verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that it may, you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. By the way, the New Testament tells us that that is the first command there that also has a promise, and the promise is that you get to keep living. Honor your mom and dad or else, you know, it's, you know, it's saying honor your mom and dad so that you actually live. Honor your mother and father so you're actually experiencing life to the full in your soul and in your relational experience that it's the way God intended it. Second, he says in verse 13, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, his Ferrari or Jaguar, or anything that belongs to your neighbor, right? So we get to some of the Ten Commandments. And some of you would say, wait, 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 Dave, I am a New Testament believer. I am not under Old Testament law. I am not, you know, I am now under grace. And I would say to you, you know what? Absolutely you are a New Testament believer, and you are under grace. But that's why James in the New Testament tells us this in James 2.12. He says, be and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. In other words, God is saying, I intended these laws to be the bumpers so that your life is free, and God is the one who then judges you based on those principles that he's given us. The Old Testament law reveals sin. If you understand the Bible as a complete story, not Old Testament, which we oftentimes think means outdated or not as good. No, what it means is First Testament and Second Testament. For Old and New Testament, it is one in the story of God. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. The law revealed sin. Jesus paid the sacrifice for that. But he still gives us, in fact, Jesus, when he reflects back on the law to Pharisees and others, he actually says the Old Testament reveals the action. But in the New Testament, Jesus always points at the heart. The Old Testament said, don't commit adultery. Jesus says, even if you look at a woman with lust, it's as if you've committed adultery in your heart. What did Jesus do? He elevated it. He went after the why, the heart. And in a sense, the giving of the law is a lot like parenting. That first portion of the Bible 
is kind of what you and I do when we have young kids. We give that first portion of the law. That it, as of this point, it's do it our way, and we're trying to train you. We're not reasoning with you because you're four. You haven't even hit abstract thinking yet. So if I try to use other examples about why not to do it, you're just like over the top of your head because you don't think abstractly. Now you start getting into 10, 11, 12 years old. Now you're thinking abstractly. Now you're understanding the why. But God gives us that in the Old Testament. So that's right. Those who are under grace as New Testament believers that we are, find that obedience makes us more free than disobeying and cheapening grace. That when we obey, it's this principle that good behavior has benefits, but bad behavior has consequences. That's just kind of like a law of life, a natural experience. God gave us commands to follow that actually free us from self-damage to our souls. Like, let me just tell you, if you take some of the Ten Commandments, you might have gotten away with it. You might have committed adultery. You might have murdered. You might have gotten away with it. But that act has uniquely done something to your soul. That something happens on the inside. In fact, one of the reasons God talks to us about sexual sin is because it has unique consequences to us that are harmful to us. You might have gotten away with it, but your soul isn't really free. And the Ten Commandments start with this statement. So let me rewind. We didn't show you this at first. It says this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And now he gives the Ten Commandments. And so what he's saying is this. I have brought you out of slavery. I have redeemed you. I have rescued you. I have brought you out. And now I'm giving you the law because I don't want you to trade one form of slavery under the Egyptians for another form of slavery, which is a, the law of sin. That's going to harm you and hurt you. I'm not bringing you from slavery into slavery. I'm bringing you from slavery into freedom. And so God is saying this, don't break the Ten Commandments because breaking the Ten Commandments breaks you. Hear that again. Don't break the Ten Commandments because breaking the Ten Commandments breaks you. God's not saying don't do it because it like disappoints me or it makes me mad or angry. God's saying don't do it. I love you so much. Don't break the Ten Commandments because breaking the Ten Commandments breaks you. In fact, I love you so much I'm willing to take responsibility for the times you have. And Jesus, God become flesh in the form of man, paid your penalty and mine on the cross. That's how much he loves you and me for the ways that we I've broken the Ten Commandments. But God's saying, don't do that. Because something happens on the inside. It breaks you. So let's deal with a couple of these. Parents, he says, honor your parents. It is so easy for parents who have children who honor them, who respect them, who obey them. It's so much easier for that parent to give additional freedoms. Because you trust. You've built up a track record of trust, and you say, I'd like you to have some additional freedoms. No problem. Compared to the son or the daughter who disrespects and just has arrogance and pride. That pride and that arrogance actually results in isolation. You either want to send that son or daughter away or not spend a lot of time with them or you just, you just feel like it's not worth it. You, it just results. And for the student themselves, when they're proud, when they're arrogant, when they're just full of themselves, what does that do? It isolates. We think pride and arrogance might like build you up. Uh-uh. Pride 
results in isolation. You just put yourself in a stiff arm with everybody else. And it's easier for us as parents, and it's easier for us as people when we honor our Heavenly Father, and we don't put our pride in, when we get proud with our Heavenly Father, we begin to isolate ourselves from Him. I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to live as I please. I'm not going to follow your law because I think I can do whatever I want. And maybe under grace, it's all okay. And God says, don't do that. Your sin breaks you. Don't do that to yourself. I love you too much. Let me put some bouncers, some borders in your life, some bumpers that help keep you out of the gutter because he loves us just that much. If you murder, you might have consequences. Uh, you might get caught. Uh, you might have fear. You have guilt. You have regret. You're worried about wrath. The Proverbs talk about it is the guilty who flee even though no one is pursuing them. What happens? If a person has done something wrong like that, there's still a point where they're not at peace. The, the life that is not submitted to God is not a free life. It is not comfortable. It is not convenient. It is not free. You're running away even though no one's pursuing you, except for the very God who loves you. And he pursues you because he cares. That's how much he loves you. If you look at adultery, well, it separates your oneness. You might have gotten away with it, but now you're having to live like a dual life. And, and it's painful for the soul. And God's saying, don't break the Ten Commandments, because the Ten Commandments break you. If you covet, now you're controlled by greed. You're trading one form of slavery, which is just I'm all good with myself, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to covet. I'm going to covet what my neighbor has, their, their material possessions, their relationships they have, their position or their successes, and now you're discontent with life, and you're being controlled by jealousy or envy, anger, bitterness, the inability to even be free to be content. You can't. You are now trapped. Don't break the Ten Commandments. Because the Ten Commandments breaks you. Breaking the Ten Commandments breaks you. Why? Good behavior has benefit. Bad behavior has consequences. So we realize, first of all, that as we're transferring dependence from our, with our kids away from us and onto their Heavenly Father, that's the ultimate goal, but we got to realize first, it's actually the law that gives freedom to your kids. It's why when you discipline, it's why when you correct and you walk through that process with them in a, in a good and a kind manner, but a solid manner, you correct them and, and then they're happy again. They feel like, what happened? The bumpers came up. I'm free to play the game still. I'm not stuck in the gutter forever. And they have this sudden confidence. And you're like, wow, how did that happen? I corrected them, thought they'd be still really, really mad for a long, long time. And no, there's a humility. There's a repentance if that's in the soul. And then there's a freedom to play. But we got to realize second that the parent provides discipline and boundaries now because they train for future self-governance. It's hard to discipline. It's hard to walk with our kids and have to hold them to consequences. And it's really this principle. We began to talk with this uh, with our kids when they were younger, that, that as we began to give freedoms, they were getting a little bit older and we began to give them freedoms where we weren't so worried about just that instant, like, don't run in the street, stop, like they would already do that. That's a safety issue. We expect immediate and full obedience. We don't want that car to run over you. We love you that much. You know, that kind of thing. But as they start to get older and they start to give freedoms, but they would take advantage of those, we would begin to say, well, either you can govern you or I will govern you. 
If you can't govern yourself, then I'll need to govern you. That we're teaching you, training you, are you going to govern yourself, or is that character trait going to become a habit that carries throughout your life? And so we would do this idea of what we would call to tomato steak our kids to us when they were not governing themselves. And what does that mean? Well, it means like if you're a gardener, you grow plants, or you've watched people grow plants, you'll realize that a tomato, if you, you plant that tomato plant, and it starts to grow, that vine starts coming out and running all over the place, that it will run all over, it'll be free to go wherever it wants to go. But as it begins to produce fruit, that fruit sits on the ground and it rots, and you don't have any good tomatoes. So what do you gotta do with that? You gotta put stakes in the ground, and you got to begin to tie those vines up to the stake because when the vine is suspended on a higher level, the fruit is free to grow without being spoiled. We would tomato stake. Now you have fruit that is the kind of fruit that you want that actually blesses other people. So when we would be at the grocery store with our kids, and you've ever taken kids to the grocery store, and maybe they're too big to be in the cart, or now they're getting a little bit more mobile, and all this, you know, they're trying to touch everything, and they're running around to other aisles, and they're going all over the place, and you're like, I just need you to be where I can see you, and I need you guys. Well, if our kids would start to wander and say, hey, you know what, if you won't govern you, then we need to govern you. So we're going to tomato stick. So we would basically just say, all right, you need now, boys, to hold the cart. So, you know, and they're like this height, so they'd be like, you know, holding the shopping cart, and they were not allowed to let go or run around the store or touch anything or, you know, meddle with their brother, and then we would talk with them. Okay, you've held it for, you know, maybe a couple aisles. Now, you've held that for a while. What would we expect if you get your freedom back? Well, don't, you know, touch all the things on the shelves. Right. Uh, stay close to mom or dad. Right. Um, don't fight with my brother. Right. Okay. Well, then you, if you're willing to govern you, that's great, but if you're not going to govern you, You'll be back to holding the cart. And let me tell you, it just, again, that's what we do. We tomato stake them to us, and our culture has it a little bit backwards because the point of tomato staking somebody to you is for reconciliation, not for rejection. But our culture tells us if your kids irritate you or do something bad, send them away, isolate them. And so you send them off to the room where they got their cell phone and access to anybody, and they can still do, in a sense, as they please. But it's far better to bring them alongside you because you want to reconcile them to you. Let's say your son or daughter, just they keep doing the same thing and it's just driving you nuts. It's, a, it's becoming a bad habit. What do you do? You replace it with wise choices. How do you do that? Through long lectures? No. You bring them alongside you. You tomato stake them to you because there's this verse in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, which says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Your kid gets in junior high and they start hanging around with the companions of fools. You're like, they're going to suffer harm. So what do we do? I might need to tomato stake them to me. I might need to bring them closer and help them. They might be in their teen years. They might have a bad attitude. How many of you had a bad attitude and you were grumpy in your teen years? Come on, be honest. All right, yeah, many of you. Uh, and the ones who are not raising their hands because your, your teenager's right next to you and you don't want to enable them to do what you did. But in their teenagers, if they're having a grumpy, bad attitude, you know, you might want to be like, I am so tired of this, please just go, go to your room. But it's far better to tomato stake them to you. So I would bring one of my sons alongside me and say, what I do, you're going to do. So if we're, if we're cutting stuff for dinner, you're going to do that. 
Uh, my wife would do the same thing. The boys would be attached. Sorry, you have now increased responsibility and restricted freedom. We're bringing you close because we want you to walk with the wise to grow wise. We don't want you to be companion of fools suffering harm. And so you bring them along with you. And then there's increased helping, increased expectation. And the promise of increased freedom once the attitude changes. Guess what? You'll see a quicker change in attitude when you tomato steak than when you isolate. Raise the bar. Tomato steak them to you. Walk with the wise to grow wise because good behavior has benefits and bad behavior has consequences. I actually know parents who were going to go away on their anniversary trip. They were so excited about it, but their teenager was involved in some just bad behavior, and they said, you know what? We're going to tomato steak that teenager to us, and we are going to, at additional cost, take that teenager with us on the anniversary trip because we're not going to leave them at home by themselves. There'll be plenty of anniversaries in the future where the kids are out of the house, but as for right now, we are going to, at our own expense, our own cost, going to have to tomato steak our teenager with us, and guess what happened? That teen quickly learns that his or her sin affects more than just him or her. They realize that our sin has consequences that affect other people as well. And parenting is hard. And parenting, we need help. And parenting is those long days and short years, and we need, you know, to have a sense of humor. We need to be able to debrief with some other people. We need to be reminded what God's Word says, because parenting is tough. Let me just say, uh, if you're a single parent in this room, um, I have the highest respect for you. I think you have one of the hardest jobs in the world, and yet... You have a heavenly father who will never leave you. He won't abandon you. He's right there with you. He will walk with you and help you give those bumpers in your life for your kids because he's given us a solid foundation of his word. And if I could tell parents anything, if I could say you're going to be a brand new parent, you're an expecting parent, or you're a parent with, you know, walking into those teenage years now with your kids, if there's one thing I could say to you, it's this. Read the Bible with your kids. How are you going to know the biblical principles that exist to train your son or daughter in if you don't read the Bible? I guarantee you that you didn't, you didn't know the principles of the, of the little kid book called Good Night Moon until you began to read Good Night Moon with the kids and you say, Good Night Moon, Good Night you know, Cow Jumping Over the Moon, Good Night Clock on the Wall. You wouldn't know any of these principles until you started reading the book with them at bedtime. And I would say the same thing. Read the Bible with your kids. Some of you in this room, you're like, I don't know how to have a sex talk with my kids. Read the Bible. There is so much sex in here, you have no idea. Like, it will help them understand what the consequences of sex are, what the, the cautions and how God intended for it to be. They will get that principle in here if you'll read the word with your kids. In fact, Deuteronomy 6, telling these people, how do you get these principles, these markers on the lives of your children, says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, not just your heads, but your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Next slide. <laughs> Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's saying in every way as, you, as your kids get up in the morning, as they lie down at night, what if you read two chapters a day with your kids out loud? 
You all are learning together. Some of you are like, Dave, I don't know some of these Old Testament stories or these things. You talk about biblical characters, and I'm like, I don't even know who that is. I get that. But again, what if we were to learn alongside your children? What if driving in the car, what you were doing in the car actually made a difference? You know, there's plenty of smartphones and different things. You can even have an audio version of the Bible on your smartphone. It can play through Bluetooth in your car. And as you're driving along the road, you could take a little bit of your time, turn away from some of the music and be able to listen to the word of God. It'll bring up discussions for you. I don't know what that means. Let's talk about it. Let's find out. Now we're on an investigation discovery about what that passage meant. But you're learning together and you're reminding, you're constantly reminding them in many ways. There's a Bible app called YouVersion, which I think we've got a slide here for. And they also have one that's YouVersion for kids. And this talks about some of those early Bible stories that you can read along if you, have, if you have smaller children. And I would highly encourage you to do that and walk through that with them. But honestly, even little kids can listen to the Bible and learn and read the Bible with your kids a parent's priority is to transfer a child's dependent away from them until it rests solely on God. Now, if you're a parent, uh, maybe you're in a traditional family, a single family, a blended family, an adoptive family, a foster care family, train in the law that gives freedom. Participate with God as he puts up those, those bumpers so that we can train our children for the sake of future generations to follow the law that gives freedom that they learn to walk in such a way that breaking the Ten Commandments doesn't break them. They can find restoration, healing, forgiveness. If you're single in this room, maybe you are a younger person or you are single or single again uh, in this room, I want to let you know, follow the law that gives freedom. Self-govern. And when you find that you can't self-govern, that you've done as you please, and all the fruit that begins to grow out of your life is just rotting and you're not getting where you need to go. You have to call time out in your own life. And I would say you tomato stake yourself with someone who is wiser than you. You might even need to transfer decision-making to someone else because you're proving that you cannot govern yourself. So for a season, you walk with someone who will mentor you, will come alongside you. For some of you, you've got hurts, habits, and hang-ups that make you just simply do as you please, and you don't know how to respond to boundaries. And so you need to get involved with CR to be able to walk through those things so that as you walk with the wise, you grow wise. Because as a companion of fools, you're suffering harm. Some of you talk first to all your friends about what you should do about parenting, and while it's good to gather information... Don't neglect this book, that God will give you wisdom if you ask for it. He gives freely without finding fault to any who ask. Will you ask him? We take sin seriously because we love you and because sin breaks you. And maybe in this room right now, you realize that you've never given your life to Jesus. That as far as God is concerned, you're still condemned in your sin. And you need to realize today that Jesus Christ gave his life for you. That it was God become flesh and the person of Jesus who then went and hung on a cross and said, I will take upon myself all the righteous wrath of God against sin and I will wipe it out. And I'll offer you a gift freely, but I don't force it on you. You must receive it. 
you must take it. Have a relationship with me. Your sins are forgiven, but now you're walking in relationship with the Heavenly Father who will give you bumpers in your life to help you play. But he wants you to walk in his ways and not cheapen the grace for which he died. And if today you need to ask Jesus to come into your hearts, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads, close your eyes right where you're at. If today you'd like to invite Jesus into your life and have a relationship with him and ask him as your heavenly father to begin to walk with you, to help you self-govern as you submit your life to him, then I would simply ask that you pray a prayer like this. Just repeat it right where you're seated after me. Jesus, today I'm saying yes to you. I ask you to come into my life. Make me a new creation. Forgive me of my sin. Help me walk in relationship with you. Today, Jesus, I give myself to you. If you prayed that prayer right where you're seated, would you just raise up your hand? Anywhere around the room that today you just said, today is the day that I gave my life to the Lord. I'm just going to hold my hand up long enough for some of our decision counselors to find you, and they want to give you some information. Just keep it up long enough. They'll spot you anywhere around the room. Awesome. Believers in the room, I want you just to think for a minute and just say, God, how have I been responding to the bumpers you put up? Do I keep finding that I'm running away from grace and I'm throwing myself in the gutter? And maybe God's Holy Spirit right now is just communicating to you your need to be mentored, your need to uh, join CR, your need to walk with the wise. The question is, are you willing to submit to God's leading, to give that authority, and that, to ask for help? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time that you've given us together. Thank you, God, for the decisions that are being made by mature believers around the room just to walk with you, to respond to you. Thank you, God, for those around the room who are just considering salvation for the first time. Jesus, we love you. We praise you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.